the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mentolo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. The holiday season is upon us. And these are wonderful times. And we have such opportunities to share and to think about our faith and to relate to one another in kindness. Even though the season can be difficult, it is blessed. Today we continue in our series entitled Lines of Operation. And our hope with this series is to explain from a military point of view the power of faith when brought to bear throughout our lives. So for those who are new to the show and uh, maybe even for those who would like a bit of a recap, because it does sometimes get confusing, I'm going to review some themes to start with. Courageous Christianity is about the intersection of our faith and the secular world. Our hope with this show is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. Now, if that sounds like a bit of a reach, look around. Things cannot get this messed up by accident. The devil is fighting God's authority, and that rebellion expresses itself in this world. And though we are citizens of heaven adopted into the family of God by faith, we live in this world. This type of battle, rebellion, is also known as insurgency. Insurgency is a violent attempt to overthrow the established regime, and that regime is God's kingdom. And that violent insurgency is the devil's attempts to overthrow God's kingdom, and everybody who does his work willingly, with malice of forethought, or unwittingly, as an ignorant instrument of the devil's will. As Christians, on the other hand, we are counterinsurgents. Jesus was the original counterinsurgent. He stood against those who rebelled against his father's kingdom. At the time of his ministry, That rebellion included the temple, which had lost the heart of God in their manipulation of the laws of Moses, becoming self-righteous and self-aggrandizing, and the Roman Empire, which sought to rule the world by force. 
In our day, those who rebel against the kingdom of God are no different. They have come out into the open as never before. They deny God's existence. They rebel against his loving commandments, statutes, and cautions. And for the sake of momentary power, wealth, and belief in themselves, they create havoc for those who are striving in faith and those who are undecided. They are idol worshipers. They make idols of wealth, celebrity, power, and things. They make idols of themselves. And nothing that they do has any lasting value. Again, if this sounds like a bit of a reach, just look around. Faith is under attack. The truth is under attack. The people who ask for tolerance are the least tolerant. They attack all people who think differently than they do. Family is under attack. Biblical marriage is under attack. Our children are under attack. Our government is under attack. Our justice system is under attack. And the opportunity that we have at the intersection of our faith and the secular world to shine the light and truth of God's love are under attack. Now, here's an interesting and important explanation. This type of warfare is called irregular warfare because it's not about killing or blowing up bridges or destroying power plants or taking ground. There is no geographical reference for this type of warfare. Irregular warfare is a violent struggle for legitimacy and influence over a group of people. In Vietnam, we came to know this type of struggle as a battle for hearts and minds. So because there's no geographical reference, irregular warfare, and specifically insurgency, which is a type of irregular warfare, is fought along lines of operation. These lines of operation are defined as categories of persistent influence and pressure. In this nation, the attacks on family, on men who strive to lead their families, on marriage and the critical partnership between men and women, on children through the educational system, on government through special interests, and on the justice system through activist influences who care less about the law than they do their manipulation of the law as they strive to achieve their political objectives, are a manifestation of this fight for influence and legitimacy. As courageous Christians, we stand at that intersection. We stand at the intersection of those attacks and God's kingdom. That's where we live our lives, on that critical ground. And this series is about that stand. It's about holding ground and leaning forward in faith throughout the days of our lives at every opportunity and without regard to the likes and dislikes of this struggling world. So in the first two episodes of this series on lines of operation, Pastor Steve Dennis talked with us about faith and values as a foundation of all we do, and Tom Stevens talked with us about family. And if you missed those episodes, they're available as podcasts on your favorite podcast app or at CourageousChristianity.today. Today, we are going to talk about economics. We're going to talk about the employment of the resources that we have in the fight against this insurgency. And we're going to talk about the way the enemy attacks us directly as individuals, as families, as the church, and as Americans under God, and indirectly through those resources. Our time, our attention, the future potential of our children, our opportunity to work in meaningful labor, our unity which is a tremendous resource, and also our money. Here to help us in this conversation is a very special guest who studies the ways in which we are under attack historically and at this very moment. Hayden Ludwig, who's been on the show before, 
works at the Capitol Research Center in Washington, D.C., and from their website, I took the following. The Capitol Research Center was established in 1984 to examine how foundations, charities, and other nonprofits spend money in politics and advocacy, often in ways that donors never intended and would find abhorrent. So on the surface, they study what must be described as gross misappropriation of funds, but if you go deeper, you'll find what could only be the devil's influence. And we will talk about that today as we also dig into the understanding of how we should use our resources as courageous Christians. So that's a very lengthy introduction. And uh, Hayden, I'm sorry it took me so long to get to you, but welcome. It's great to have you on the show again. (laughs) It's good to be back with you, Rich. Thank you. It's just a complex topic, and I want to make sure we all understand the context for it and also understand how pervasive our use of money is throughout the opportunity for good, as well as in defense of that which is God's and this nation's. Yeah, is it too much? It's very difficult. <laughs> He's looking, looking at me. At me I'm funny. waiting for my intro. Uh, what word do you have for me today? Okay, as always, I'm joined by <laughs> and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my awesome wingman. Awesome. I love it. Well, yeah. I, I would then throw that right back at you. That was an awesome introduction. I think it's important to have that recap, to have that general understanding, because this is not information the majority of us uh, think about or even know about on a given day. Yeah. Uh, well, we've talked about it before, and it it, it is confusing. And, uh, you know, as a Marine engaged in counterinsurgency in Iraq and Afghanistan, leading Marines, I would often have to stop and talk with my Marines about exactly what we were doing, because sometimes it's not readily apparent. Uh, In any event, before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, the good that we can do in your name as your children, adopted by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, must be protected and expressed in our lives. Help us, Lord, to stand against the devil's evil schemes as we strive to shine your light into the darkness. Good people are struggling, Father. They need our help, and our help depends on us understanding and doing by faith. You have told us that we should not be frightened nor discouraged because you go with us wherever you go. And so, Father, we ask you to help us. Help us to understand and to do your will in all things as we strive at the intersection of our faith in this very troubled world. By your grace and mercy, help us to focus forward, to turn away from the mistakes of our past in your forgiveness, and to march ahead in the truth of your word and your power. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, it's almost time for our break, but before we get into our break, (laughs) Hayden... Welcome. How's everything? Uh, everything's very well. We were talking offline. Uh, my wife and I are expecting our first baby any day now, so we are definitely counting our many blessings from the Lord. This is your first. Congratulations. For some reason, I thought you might already have one, but wow, how exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for that. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm feeling appropriately sleepless and, uh, you know, I'm constantly tired these days, so I feel more prepared than I probably deserve to be. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's a great way to go into this break to talk about how, as you become a father, things change significantly. You start thinking more about the future of things. You start thinking more about your legacy What are we leaving for our children? What are we setting them up to endure in this world? And it brings to my mind the definition of love, which is setting your children up for success. So it's not giving them candy and marshmallows and hot chocolate. It's setting them up for success in dealing with this very difficult world. So God bless you and God bless your family. It's an amazing and exciting time. And by the way, don't prepare to get any sleep anytime soon. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so we've been, uh, I've been reading my book of Proverbs much more closely than usual, put it that way. Yeah, uh, it's totally cool. And the thing about it that's amazing is as we think about God as a loving Father, I always think about his uh, caution when he says, uh, what father, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a snake? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? And he has asked us to call him Father. He has told us that he wants to be our Father. And when we look to him as a totally trustworthy Father by faith in Christ, the opportunities that we have and the responsibilities that we have are tremendous. And we're going to dig into all of this when we come back after the break with Hayden Ludwig. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's Wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Folks, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelo, and we have a very special guest on the show today, Hayden Ludwig. And I took a lot of time in our introduction, and it reminded me of the fact that pilots like to talk about themselves. And there's a joke about a pilot on his first date with a nice lady, and after talking about himself for two hours, he said, enough about me. Let's talk about what you think of me. And so, <laughs> Hayden, uh, enough about me. Tell us what you do at the uh, within your work. 
Well, you mentioned the study of economics and, and how it in, impacts our life. And at the Capital Research Center, we are one little small aspect of this greater picture of, of the flow of money in politics and in, in the United States. We basically study the nonprofit world. So my expertise is studying environmental activist groups and big foundations that a lot of people are familiar with, like George Soros's foundations, but even dozens and dozens of ultra-wealthy groups that people have never heard about but nevertheless are active in pushing policy on a host of issues in Washington. Um, and what we basically try to do is connect the dots um, back to, well, what's going on in Congress with the infrastructure bill right now that people have heard about? What are all the groups outside of the two political parties that are actually pressuring both political parties to change the nation's election systems and environmental laws and tax policy and a whole host of different things like that. So not many groups study this. We're uh, pretty much one of a kind in that in that whole world. It's kind of an amazing thing to me. And uh, there's obviously I'm not brilliant about a lot of things because I'm kind of simplistic. I believe you should do what you say. And so what's weird to me is that we allow these people, interests, and uh, donors to interpose themselves between us and our elected officials, knowing that they are going to push what they want as opposed to what we who elected the officials want. I guess I'm simplistic. Yeah. I don't get that. No, I agree. It's it's because we, well, I think it's actually a consequence of the blessing of living in such a generous country. Here's what I mean. This country has a charitable sector, the nonprofit sector that's larger than anything in the world. And we Americans are used to taking it for granted that we have so many charitable groups out there, that we have such a, a large number of these tax-exempt 501c3 kind of organizations you hear about all the time. Well, what happens, though, is that the IRS has created a whole sector for these things and basically allowed them to do so many things that the IRS considers, quote-unquote, charitable. But that's a really expansive definition. So I'll give you an example. It's not always um, what you'd expect. Registering people to vote before an election is considered an act of charity by the IRS. Now, I don't know anybody who calls that charitable. It might be a good thing. But that's a political thing. It's tied to how we choose our elected officials. Well, what we study is how the professional left, and to a degree, you know, the, the professional right, but most of these activist groups on the left have weaponized those charitable groups to pass legislation, to encourage the country to go ever further left away from Christianity, away from its roots, um, into the direction of progressivism. And they're able to do so much of this not through the stuff that we see, like whoever's president, whoever's elected to Congress, but nonprofit organizations that to the IRS are doing charitable activity, but most people have, A, never heard of, and B, would probably call what they do an act of politics, not an act of some kind of philanthropy. And so our job is basically expose all of this, these goings on. Yeah, you know, uh, let's have it all be transparent. But uh, we understand that the first thing that the devil has to do with his lies is obscure everything. And there's a word, Christy and I love, that we use a lot on the show, and it's obfuscation. And if you look up that word, it's such a totally great word because it explains this intentional attempt to muddy issues so that behind that veil and in that confusion, you can then do things that people wouldn't like you to do if they knew what was going on. So... 
Tell us a little more. Give us a specific example, if you would, Hayden. Well, right now, um, I've actually just finished writing an article on a host of environmental groups, one of my specialties, most of which people have never heard of, but they're actively trying to make your life more difficult. Um, there's a set of uh, bills going through various states right now. California, my, my home state, is one of them that are trying to ban people's natural gas hookups in their house. So we're going into winter right now. My wife and I just turned on our heater in our new house just yesterday and, of course, had a problem and had to call the guy. But the thing is, we have natural gas coming into our house. We didn't have that. We'd have to use an electrical appliance. That's exactly what these activist groups want. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, you can go back and forth on which one you prefer, gas hookups or electric hookups. But the bigger thing is when you have an all-electric situation, your stove is running electricity, not gas. Your heater and your water heater are run on electricity and not gas. When that happens, not only does your electricity bill spike, but it makes the entire country dependent on the electrical grid, which is a very complex topic. But here's the bottom line. It puts more strain on the electrical grid at the same time that these activists are trying to force the entire country to be dependent on things like wind turbines and solar panels, which simply cannot provide that extra electricity in a reliable way like we would need to if we're going to strain this grid. And what people like me are so concerned about is that we see this disaster coming where not where people are not going to have the ability to heat their homes when a storm sweeps through like they had in Texas in February that shuts down so much of the electrical grid and stops wind turbines and solar panels from working so that people have no way to heat themselves, no way to cook their food because they're dependent on this arbitrary electric appliance thing, all done in the name of combating climate change when research shows that it won't do anything to to change the the outcome of the climate. Yeah, you know what's amazing is, on the one hand, you could think that, okay, these people are just silly, they don't really get it. And then you think, okay, hold on a second. The worst thing I can do is underestimate my enemy. So if my enemy is trying to make me dependent on electricity... He probably knows this is going to break the electrical system, uh, the grid, when everything uh, is most necessary. Why is he doing this? Well, he wants to break me down. He wants to uh, increase his ability to control me because now I'm sitting there freezing in my house like we all were here in Houston in February. And this station is in Houston and our show is aired in Houston. So you're talking to people who are very sensitive to this. And then all of a sudden... We were under the control of whoever had electricity, and it was a very serious, very real threat because, uh, you know, we were in houses that were freezing with babies and with uh, the elderly and so forth. And so if these people are doing this, they're not silly, they're not stupid, they've got a reason. And by the way, early on you said you look at the flow of money in politics. And friends, I just want to remind you, politics is about the distribution of power, and not electrical power, but man's power. And I've said this before, Hayden. I was praying once, and God said this to me. He said, politics uses man's laws to steal power, and religion uses my laws to steal power. And if you look back at the time in which Jesus lived, where he was standing against the temple, which was using God's laws to steal power, and the Roman Empire, 
which was using and creating man's laws and forcefully stealing power. You really start to understand what politics is, and money is the engine behind politics. So it's, it's a little bit terrifying to think about what you're saying here. It's a lot of terrifying amount of central power in the hands of whoever runs that electrical grid. Um, and you, you mentioned folks freezing down in Texas. I mean, at the same time that that was happening, and I studied it very closely, a similar thing was happening in Germany for almost identical reasons. But Germany is even more extreme. They basically decided over there they're going to run their entire electrical grid off of these unreliable, quote-unquote, renewables. And the result was they had the deadliest winter on record in generations because homeless people were freezing to death when in one of the richest countries in the world. This is why I'm so concerned with it. Most people think of electricity as just a resource, and of course it is, but it's also the best way that the Lord has provided for people in poor countries to lift themselves out of poverty. And when we make cheap and abundant electricity a luxury good, like so many European countries are trying to do to their own people, we impoverish people. And worse than that, we also tell people in Africa and Asia who are struggling to get out of poverty, you can never have what we in the West have because we've decided it's evil for you to have these things. And I just, as a Christian, I cannot abide that. I don't think in good conscience we can support such policies. Yeah, when I fly into Houston over West Texas, I uh, look down on just tons and tons of those big wind turbines. And I wonder about them, and I wonder how they can be uh, productive. And I think about how the blades are not renewable and how landfills are filling up with their blades. And the same people who tell us to care about the environment are creating this uh, non-renewable, uh, high-maintenance wind turbine, which kills uh, many birds that they also pretend to care about. So it's a tremendously conflicted, convoluted environment. And I think if you get bored, folks, look up the word obfuscation, because uh, it's kind of like in that movie, The Princess Bride, when the guy keeps saying inconceivable. <laughs> and eventually the one guy looks at him and says that word. You keep saying it. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, I think I know what this word means and how I feel duped. 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 And and absolutely heartbroken because you think of the American people. I, I think of them with this heart that wants to trust and, you know, you... you and do good so they give their good. money. And do good. And as Hayden said, you've got this charitable outlook within uh, our country. People are putting their hard work, hard uh, money earned towards these charities, and it's going to fund something bad. I'm just, I'm blown away. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Well, folks, let me just say this. Those who contribute to Courageous Christianity get precisely what they pay for, and that is a ministry for equipping Christian warriors for this spiritual battlefield where we talk about the opportunity that we have And that opportunity, first and foremost, is in the truth of God. And secondly, it's in plain truth without obfuscation. And we're going to talk with Hayden Ludwig more about that when we come back, folks. Stay with us. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need your help. 
Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mendelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, if you were here with me, you would see the smile on Mike's face. It's beautific. You're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelow and talking with us this morning about a line of operation in the fight uh, against the insurgency. And one of those lines of operation is uh, economics and finances. And Hayden Ludwig is an expert on tracking nonprofit money and the many places that it goes. And in the previous segment, he said he looks at the flow of that money in pushing policy as that money is weaponized toward a progressive agenda. And so, Hayden, what I'm wondering is, what is that progressive agenda? Yeah, well, look, Rich, I mean, I I, I like to ask the question, um, what is philanthropy for? Who does it serve? Because it seems to me, in all the foundations that I studied, they've all lost their way. Nobody seems to be interested in even asking that question. And Christians should be concerned about this, because philanthropy is a Christian word. 
It comes from ancient Greek, phil anthropos, which means the love of man, right? This is something that Christians invented, and it's the idea of serving Christ, like being like Christ, it's through acts of charity, great and small. And this is why this country has these big foundations that are meant to encourage these sorts of things. We think about um, Andrew Carnegie building so many libraries around the country so that people would have access to free books and learning. But what I see today is, is people like Warren Buffett, who everybody's heard of but probably isn't aware of. Buffett is probably the biggest funder of abortion causes in human history. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. I've added up the sum of how much money his associated foundation has spent giving to groups like Planned Parenthood over the years, and it's it's multiple billions of dollars. And it's staggering to people. I, I make a habit every year of looking at the abortion industry, and it is an industry. Groups who pay lobbyists and activists large sums of money, certainly more than I make in a year, I'll put it, put it that way, uh, to lobby for more ways to kill the unborn in 2 to $3 billion as a B every single year. Most people don't realize the extent of this industry, but it is one of the most well-funded activist industries in the country. And I, again, I ask folks, what is the point of philanthropy if it means that we're funding things like pro-abortion activism, well, I, I think we've lost our way, and I don't think there's any love of your fellow man in funding things like this. Um, so, th- so this is the big problem that I see in, in our big foundation world today, is there's, there's so much money, but it's not going to causes that most Christians or most Americans in general would consider charitable. Well, yeah. If um, imagine if somebody's contributing their money to one thing and it's actually going to that, um, and what you're saying is that would take them uh, be decidedly against the intention of that contribution. And so, how is that not considered fiduciary negligence? And how are those nonprofits allowed to operate? Yeah. Well, I mean, the sad reality is that most of the the, the big dollars are coming through foundations whose uh, founders died 100 years ago. I mean, you look at the Ford Foundation, which most folks are familiar with. Ford Foundation is probably the biggest not-for-profit entity in the world. Um, but, of course, it funds all manner of terrible uh, progressive causes, uh, everything from defund the, to police to a, a government-paid-for abortions. But Henry Ford himself never supported such things. Henry Ford himself um, was, uh, as far as I can tell, a very staunchly conservative capitalist, and I believe a Christian as well. And so we have to ask ourselves again, well, how did they lose their way? The answer, I believe, is that um, partisan interests, ideological leftists, really there's no better way for it, word for it, came in after these men died, took their fortunes, which were virtually unguarded against funding causes they wouldn't have, have funded themselves, and have weaponized that money so that it's this eternal pot of money always available to fund causes. And it's, it's sad, but I don't see an end to that situation uh, anywhere in sight, not, not as long as there's money that they can reinvest and grow, and they are. What's their ultimate objective? Well, it's hard to say. I, I believe, look, speaking as a Christian, of course, um, I believe the answer is they want to remake America. They really want to remake the world in their own image. I would actually say you can even bring it further than back. It's a Genesis question. It is man is, man is always at war with the Lord. 
He always denies the faith of God in himself. I think that's the, the heart of the transgender issue going on right now. There is a war against the created order and the way that the Lord would have things done, and the sinful heart is, is nothing, committing nothing but cosmic treason all the time, using every gift that God has provided. And when I see this prosperous country that was founded by such decent people, and I'm not really talking about the founders, I'm talking about the godly folks who picked up their muskets to go fight for the American Revolution. You know, I have ancestors in that fight. When I think about those people, and, and you think about the prosperous republic that they created, it was obviously a gift from God. But why don't we, why don't we enjoy that gift like we used to? Well, it's because we've become worldly. We've become materialist, like Marxists. We've learned to try and make man into God instead of worshiping the created, the cre- excuse me, creator, or worshiping the created thing, like Paul talks about in Romans. So I think that's the ultimate heart of all of it, and where they want to take it is, of course, impossible. They, you can't kill God. You can't take his place. Um, and they're going to find that out the hard way, I fear. Yeah, what's funny to me is nothing that they do or say ever works out or is ever what they say it's going to be in terms of being good. And that's because it goes against God, because at its root, it is idolatry. And so I'm thinking about somebody who's listening to this. And this is the week before Thanksgiving. And we have so much for which to be thankful. And Scripture says, from whom much is given, much is expected, and from whom much is entrusted, even more will be asked. So we have this amazing responsibility for all of these blessings to do wisely, to use well, to do good. And I would ask you for that person who's hearing, there is a lot of talk about what's wrong and what's bad. There's not so much talk about what we do about it. And I want very much for this show to be about the good that we can do. So my question is, for that person listening, in regard to money, what do we do that we know will be good, that we know will be used well? Hmm. It's a difficult question to ask. And honestly, I always dread getting this question because so much of my job is reporting on the negative facts. Here's what I believe. You're never going to solve the foundation being totally left run, left-wing run problem. You're never going to solve the issue of activist groups getting funded by the Ford Foundation and others. But those aren't really problems that humans are meant to solve. I think the real problem is these are symptoms of a nation that has, for decades, forgotten the Lord, has turned away from its roots, has turned away from Scripture, and has decided to wallow in all sorts of evil. And then you look around at this country, and this country has things like same-sex marriage. That's not really a marriage. It's, it's a figment of our imagination to call it a marriage. It has transgenderism. It's, it's a deeply sick nation because it's trying to keep the prosperity that was gifted to us by God without having the God who gave us that prosperity to begin with. And we're we are a vain land, and I find that just so so terrible. Um, so we're, we're trying to—the way I look at this question, again, is step back. Those things are symptoms of a greater evil. And when this country really learns repentance and the gospel sweeps the land, as I believe it is, by the way, I think we're going through the greatest reformation since Christ came into this world, even, even bigger than the, revolution, the, excuse me, the reformation that Martin Luther ushered in. 
I see the gospel sweeping forth. And I'm part of that, by the way. I was not raised in the church. I was saved five years ago as, a, as an adult. So I see these things very clearly, I believe. Um, until that happens, we cannot expect these blessings, but we can we can expect that sin will reign supreme. And my job is to basically study the the consequences of that sin. Um, so I think go to go to your Bible, go to repentance, and don't expect for all these blessings until we have a nation full of repentant, uh, mournful sinners who recognize that Christ is their only means of salvation. I think that's a brilliant answer, and you cannot expect the blessings of God when you thumb your nose at Him. And so we can't write a check to do what we should be doing with our hands. And we are the hands and feet of the Lord, and we are blessed so that we can do his work, wherever that is. So if for me, my corner of the battlefield, the spiritual war is to speak to all of you Christian warriors about courageous faith. Maybe somebody listening your corner of the battlefield is feeding God's hungry. And so in this Thanksgiving season, you're engaged in feeding the hungry. Maybe you work in your church and contribute to your church. You see where your money goes and your money is involved there and you're involved there. So we can't keep things at a distance. We have to engage. And that's the whole point of Christianity. As I've said before, it's the only religion that has an offensive mission to go and make disciples of all nations. Our deeds must bear fruit. We cannot just say we're uh, faithful. We have to do that. And we do it in accordance with our personal gifting, whatever it is that God has done in us, made us special. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing, a wonderful opportunity, and you hit the nail on the head when you said, turn back to God, turn to his scripture. Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And as that work, we have such an opportunity. And we're going to talk more about that with Hayden Ludwig when we come back in the final segment. Stay with us. I get so Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship... Contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. I counted the streetlights as we headed up to the chapel to pay. Folks, you're back with Courageous Christianity in our final segment in our Lines of Operation series. This is the third episode, and we are talking with Hayden Ludwig about economics and finances. And economics is ultimately about the distribution of resources. And that distribution can be... Uh, convoluted and misshapen for political purposes. And Hayden's job is to study 
that uh, intentional misuse of nonprofit funds for all sorts of nefarious uh, intentions. And Hayden, you said something in the last segment I'd like to go back to. You said that these malignant influences, uh, in Iraq we used to say malign influence, and it annoyed me, so I looked it up, and it's technically correct to say these malign influences, but I don't like it. So I say (laughs) these malignant influences, you said they are attempting to remake America. And that's the truth. And folks, you're not going to like this next truth very much. But it's nonetheless truth, because Hayden also says something critical when he says, we are wallowing in evil and still hoping to hang on to the prosperity of God, the blessings of God. And uh, what a spoiled child that is to thumb uh, his or her nose at the father and the rules of the father and the house of the father while asking the father to continue in uh, generosity. So I think that was very good, folks, and I think all of us have to look at what we're doing to make sure we're not asking to hang on to the prosperity of God while turning our back on him, and that brings to mind the fact that our resources include our time and our attention and our energy and our money, and we must be devoting all of that to God and uh, what God has to say. So, Hayden, uh, in our final segment, what are your final thoughts? Well, you know, kind of building off that whole thing of... of uh, you know, a sinful nation cannot expect blessings from the Holy God. I've, I've had a lot of folks come up to me and in one breath congratulate me that my wife and I are having a first baby, and at the same time, you know, say, oh, but that poor child, look what a world he's going to be raised into. And, you know, maybe it's because we're only 28, but we, we tend to look back at them and say, but when's it not ever been a sinful world? When's the world ever been a good place to live in? It wasn't a good place to live in even in the days of Jesus. Why would you expect it to be such now? I guess I just take a lot of confidence um, that even though my job is to study leftism, which really I think is basically Satanism turned into a political instrument, right, to bludgeon Christians around, even though it's it's my job to read what the other side thinks and says, and it's, it can be very depressing at times, I'll be honest with that, um, I, I'm ultimately not depressed, because Christians cannot be depressed. They have to have joy in their hearts that they alone are the redeemed of all the people in the entire world. And when I look at at my life, I did nothing to merit the salvation that God gave me. I was on my own track doing my own sinful, selfish things when God pulled me out of that and broke through my heart without waiting to ask me my permission and redeemed me and brought me to repentance. And I look at my son's life, and I think, you know, this child was made to live in exactly the time and place that the Lord designed him to live in, in long before the foundation of the world. So people cannot be depressed by what's going on. I, I myself don't feel that the Lord has given up on the United States. I think the United States is just another country, and it will pass away, and like all things, and we should celebrate that because it means the return of Christ one day. But I think that he's used this country to bring a lot of righteousness into the world and to cause his church to grow. And I, I sense that there is a great reformation, a great uh, you know, kind of drawing to repentance in this land and many others. And I don't see, see that the end of these things is coming. I see a lot of hope on the horizon. It's just too bleak for many of us to see it right now. So I want to encourage people that even though I tend to be, you know, the, the bringer of bad news, <laughs> the nature of my job, 
don't feel that way. Don't feel downcast. You know, the Lord still reigns, even with all of the evil that we see around us. You know, Hayden, one thing that came to mind is such hope if your child would be, uh, have been born prior to you coming to Christ, there may not be a lot of hope in that, but now as a father, as a Christian, look at the life you can shape going forward. So that's just really beautiful. Amazing. And there's a lot of hope in that. Amazing opportunity. And something Hayden says, uh, is so powerful when I was thinking about having children in the late nineties and I talked to my mother who grew up in the forties and fifties about how I felt that was irresponsible. She said, well, every generation has thought that. And she said <laughs> that when she was young and about to have children, uh, the atom bomb and the H bomb were the big threat. And she said, mm-hmm. how can you bring a child into this world? And what if you'd lived during the Holocaust and you saw that absolute evil incarnate and you would think, how can uh, we tolerate this? And so as we look toward uh, the last couple of minutes here, I'm reminded of when I was in Afghanistan and we were in southern Helmand province and Helmand province is considered the breadbasket of Afghanistan and it's where a lot of the farmers are, and they were uh, growing opium. And that opium funded uh, the Taliban. And so one of our missions was we would destroy the opium. We would burn the, uh, the hashish, and I got a picture of standing on top of this giant pile of hashish that we eventually raked out, poured fuel on, and set fire. And some farmer lost his crop, but then that money that would have been raised to fund the Taliban also went away. So when you talk about this finance and when you talk about how money is used, there's the good that money does. There's the evil that money supports. There's what we do with our money and what we don't do with our money or allow uh, other people to do with our money. And all of that requires intention. And we are in a beautiful season in this nation of thanksgiving. And everything good that we can do begins with thanksgiving and gratitude. And it's in that gratitude that we must take up the responsibility that we have to use our resources wisely, our time, our energy, our effort, our interest. And that's the truth. And as you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is always relevant and that it never fails. And our moment of truth today comes from Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So friends, we can't possibly do a show about economics and finances and resources without looking at Jesus' statement that we cannot serve two masters. Our hope with the show is not to place disproportionate interest on money. Our hope is to develop our understanding that money can be used as a weapon system. We can use it, and the enemy can use it. In counterinsurgency operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, the money as a weapon system idea was commonly discussed. We used money to attack and defend against the interests and supporters of the enemy. So what does this mean for you? It means that we must not be naive about the way the enemy expresses its malignant influence through the funding of that which is divisive, obstructive, purposefully obscuring of the truth, and murderous, as in the case of abortion. Nor can we be naive about the way we may inadvertently provide support to organizations and corporations which support the insurgent agenda of progressivism attacking faith, family, children, government, 
and the justice system. And finally, it means that we must intentionally support with our time, with our energy and our money, those things which undergird the kingdom of God and those interests which support his warriors. To that end, we must support the church and secular organizations which do the will of God. So, it's a very complicated conversation, and it comes down to the fact that what we have as individuals and collectively is a gift of God. And he gives it to us to accomplish his will, just like a commander in combat issues a mission to subordinates and then resources that mission. So uh, if I'm told to do this, then I say to my commanding officer, well, if you want me to do that, this is what I need. And then he gives me the beans, bullets, and band-aids, as we say in the Marine Corps. And I go and do the mission he has assigned. And so when we pray and we ask God to resource us in various ways, he does so to accomplish his mission. And so first and foremost, as we give ourselves to him, as we focus on his word to better understand his mission for us, then we must husband our resources. In short, we must withhold money from the enemy while supporting the interests of the kingdom of God. And that's courageous Christianity. So Hayden, as we wrap up and as we look toward Thanksgiving from uh, Christy and I, want to uh, wish you all the best with the new baby. You will be in our prayers. And have you got a name picked out? I heard you refer to him as a boy. Yes, his name is Oliver. Oliver. I love it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to pray that Oliver has all of the porridge that he wants. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> That's a reference to Oliver Twist, folks, when the when the kid says, Sir, may I have some more? <laughs> Christy, what do you think? God bless little Oliver. God bless little Oliver and his mom and dad. So Hayden, uh, blessings to you uh, and your wife and um, congratulations. And thank you also for the work that you do. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Friends, this is the last show before Thanksgiving, and it is our sincere prayer at Courageous Christianity that your Thanksgiving is happy, that it is with family, and that it is amidst the blessings of God. Thanks for joining Christy and me. And Christy has one thing she would like to add. We're grateful for you all, listeners. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful point. Whenever we speak here, we think about you, and we pray that our conversations are helpful to you as you go about your courageous lives of faith. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM KKHT, The Word, at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. We wish you the happiest holiday season, a blessed Thanksgiving, and all that God has for you. God bless and semper fi.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.